Uh, big morning for me, TJ. I know you're not a big social media guy, but you maintain your Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram accounts. Uh, I, I put my first reel out today. Have you ever made I've a I've never attempted that. I've never even tried it. And I'm, and I'm already getting crushed because I've always been told you put the camera in landscape, but apparently in reels you don't, and it has to be straight up and down. My dogs were fighting this morning, and I, and I thought, oh, that's pretty funny. So I, I, I put it, and already it's like, camera's the wrong way. <laughs> like literally, like of four. It's already there's there are four people that have liked it, dude. It's sorry, but yeah, I realize I'm so addicted to Instagram Reels in real life that why not join the party? I, I hate it whenever I TJ or Toby seemed a little bit angry this morning, angry. Angry Toby, I feel bad. Uh, angry and depressed Toby's not a good Toby. And he was so excited yesterday because the Cox Cable guy spent three hours at his house. And everything was solved. He sat there with the, uh, the uh, tie line connected right. for 30, 45 minutes during the rush because oh, they weren't on remote. So cool. Stayed perfect the whole time. Ah, Gets up this morning, connects, and it's worry. like, bam, 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 all over the place. <laughs> and he's like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I hate him for him. <laughs> I hate it for him. Yeah, and then you have this whole they not going to let us play audio clips and things of that nature. And anyway, welcome into the Plank Show. Uh, that is, you, you know, uh, Josh is is rolling in. Seeing that you're you you have four points already in the Ref Royal Rumble, which is incredible. Well, bravo! Yes, hitting both your lock and your upset. Credit goes to my 11-year-old who makes my picks for me. How is how is Bronx feeling about maybe you looking at Liberty this weekend? Has he mentioned Liberty at all to <laughs> not, you? Not yet, but I'll okay. ask him about ask, that. Ask him what he thinks about Liberty and Virginia. Those are two games that I've really I got told an eye Toby, on. Like he, like <laughs> Saturday when he realized he hit both, he uh-huh. sat back on the couch and he said, I'm really good at this. And I said, this could be a real problem <laughs> when he turns 18, yeah. thinking that he just has this gambling what thing is, figured out. What is Bronx? Uh, is he 11? 11, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So by in, in seven years from now, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're going to have legalized sports wagering. So <laughs> right. That's what I'm concerned with now. <laughs> he thinks this is easy, and you just get it right every time. I, I, Which I, he's been really good he's at really it good at season it. and a half. In fact, so. I, if I remember correctly, even the ones he, that, that you guys missed last year, it was like really tight games. It, it was too. close. It was close. So, yeah. I am so stupidly competitive on the dumbest stuff in the world. I couldn't care less if I'm playing golf against someone and they're beating me or or, or, or bowling. It's like, ah, oh, we're having a good time. But when it comes to like, picking games for some reason, I'm like, I'm going to get these right. You, you take pride in it. You so think I'm that's a part of your right. job. I yeah. guess so. So the Ref Royal Rumble, yeah. Uh, Josh, it, uh, did we both put up a goose egg last week, Josh? Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're consistent. Oh, man. I, like I've said, I'm, I'm done listening to Jeff Schwartz for picking. And I love Jeff. But every single time I've taken a pick from Jeff Schwartz, it's been so wrong, so wrong. And then he'll put his his record up, and he's like, "I'm twenty two and two. I'm like, "How? Like, you missed the two that I guess I went with on it. Twenty two and two, and the seven picks you gave me were wrong. We're wrong. So here, here's what I'm. I bring it up right off the top as we welcome you into the plank show. We got a very busy guest list today. Uh, Andy Staples, whom I think I've promised on this show for. Like two years, we finally connected, and I think he's even in Oklahoma. He may have uh, headed back to Florida. But Andy Staples from The Athletic is going to join us at 9.30. And at 10 a.m. this morning, Ryan Leaf, former NFLer and current 
ESPN analyst. I work with Ryan quite a bit on Sirius XM. So let's go. Wait, someone's already complaining. We're five minutes into the show and you're already complaining? My gosh, people. Yawn. I'm talking about something very important here. It's the Ref Royal Rumble and I'm 0 for 1. Take your early complaints and get them out of here. Go, Mr. Negativity. Will not have it. How are you on this Wednesday, Josh? Good morning. I'm doing great. I've got a terrific upset special pick this week that I'd love to share at the match. Go ahead. Well, I don't know. Do you approve of it, area code 949, or are you going <laughs> to yawn about it? Jeez. Oh, man. Who are you going with? Who are you thinking about? No, that? I'm just kidding. Uh, it's going to be going to be great to hear from Andy Staples and Ryan Lee. Oh, I was really excited. I thought you had your upset pick ready. I, I was I was ready to roll with it. You know, everyone's upset pick, by the way, that came in on the Ref Royal Rumble was like Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. Then all of a sudden, Sam Hartman gets cleared to play yesterday, and that spread went from 6-14, to 14, and nobody stayed with their Vanderbilt upset pick. Everybody tapped out. Everybody tapped out like right away. I also don't think... Uh, no offense. I think, who was it? Travis and Steelman? Love, I mean, Travis has become one of my favorite dudes on the planet. I don't know if they really saw how many points Elon put up on Vanderbilt last week. You know what I'm thinking about for my lock, Josh? I'm thinking about Hawaii plus 50. I mean, come on. I know they're bad, and I know Vanderbilt beat them by 50, but come on. Come on. 50? 50 as a spread. They got as I say that, I just want to double check. Let's go over what Hawaii's last two score totals were <laughs> whenever they got beat by Vanderbilt and I think Western Kentucky or someone random got them last week. But yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by what up. You, you already put yours in, right? Yeah, yep. I've got P- Pittsburgh. By the way, was my upset special, ah, and okay. the That's lock is Alabama. Nobody kind of hedging any bets on Missouri knocking off Kansas State. No, I thought about – I kind of thought going the other way on that. Really? It's an interesting week. K-State I, stunk last week, but it's in Manhattan. <laughs> they hate Missouri. Um, I got to tell you something, dude. Yesterday, I um, I co-hosted a show, and I was working with Chris Budden, and she is on the Arkansas-South Carolina broadcast this weekend. And I started digging into that. That might end up being the game of the weekend. I know it's not. I, I, I know it's not the cachet of Alabama and Texas with two names. I know it's not. And well, hell, the the Big Twelve has a laundry list of great games, right? Missouri, Kansas State, Houston, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Iowa, uh, Baylor, BYU. I mean, you have. In just what we mentioned there, what, five really good games? Well, I'm, I'm not including Alabama and, and Texas in the good game category, but as far as marquee matchups, Josh, that has a chance. I know that South Carolina isn't quite ranked yet. That has a chance to be a really fun game on Saturday in Fayetteville. Yeah, they, they need to see a lot better from Spencer Rattler than they saw, obviously, in their opener. But I'm with you. Yeah, it's got the propensity to be pretty good. Propensity. All right. Um, you like that? I do. So with Andy Staples coming up at the bottom of the hour, we're we're going to talk about all of college football, um, playoff expansion, kind of national perception of Oklahoma, and maybe not trying to look ahead to, to Lincoln, Nebraska next week, but at least kind of put that on our radar. Plus, Andy was uh, front and center for Anthony Richardson's 
welcome to the Heisman conversation yesterday. So Or Saturday, excuse me. Andy Staples coming up at 9.30. And then with Ryan Leaf at 10, we'll really drill deep on this Oklahoma matchup against Kent State on Saturday. So I don't really know. I, I had a bunch of stuff from the coaches show that I wanted to share, and then I was told we're not allowed to play it. So let's pause that conversation for a moment. By the way, if you want to catch it, it's available on the on the podcast page, Soonersports.com slash podcast. It was great. It was it was fun. It was entertaining. Um, BV was a little bit late, but when he got there, it was just amazing. He made a joke about huddling, and he's like, they even huddled. We didn't know what that was. And and then he kind of waited and talked a little bit more in the stuff. He goes, that was supposed to be funny, man. You people are supposed to laugh at that. And everyone just cracked up. It was really – his comedic timing's pretty good. But I, you and I were live on the air – as the press conference was going on yesterday. So we didn't really get a chance to drill too deep on some of the things coming out of uh, of Tuesday's meeting with the media. I went back last night and I listened to it. I have some clips from that that we'll share coming up after we talk to Ryan. But was there, was there anything that kind of, as you looked back and and, and, and we, we, we heard anything that really kind of caught your ear or caught your eye? like I, From the Venables press conference? Yeah, yeah. I thought, well, I was, I was taken by a couple of things that Brent Venables had to say about the offensive line and, and tempo. He, he was asked to grade the offensive line, and then it turned into sort of a tempo response to start. Right. And I loved what Venables said about just get stops, right? Like – you know, all of a sudden we blink and we're up 21 to nothing and just get stops after that. He'll have none of your questions. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. I love hearing that from a head coach, though, because all we ever hear is, you know, well, it's got to be complimentary. It's got to be complimentary. And, you know, offenses can be dangerous for defenses. Be better. Be better on defense. And I loved hearing a head coach say that. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, Billy Bowman, the special teams conversation I thought was pretty good. Even saying he should have had one, should have taken it to the house. To one, the cribola. One. Um, can, can I go back real quick on what you were saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to play that clip when we come back after our first break because so many times, as you hit it on the head, when you're in a situation where one of the offenses is – where you're a defense for an offense that's tempo, 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 you know, it's kind of a – I don't want to say excuse, but for defenses, it's an interesting crutch whenever it's like, hey, you know, we got to be, you know, our offense has got to take care of us. Brent Venables would have none of that. I mean, none of it. It was, we got to get off the field. That's it. We got to get off the field. He's like, I'm not going not gonna to let that be something where it's an excuse for us. I mean, it was simple. We got to get off the field. And I found that to be absolutely reassuring. You know, I – I'm not ever going to be someone that points the finger at a previous regime. Ever. 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 But in the in the past, there have been some people that were angry whenever things would go fast and the defense was put back in the field in a tough situation. BV will have none of that, and it's awesome to hear. It is awesome. So we'll hit the highlights of that. It was, as far as just the sports world in general, feel like we're counting down to the start of the NFL season tomorrow. tomorrow night. Getting a chance to see the defending Super Bowl champs take on the Bills. 
try to figure out exactly where this arm injury is for Matt Stafford, even though everyone who's anyone will tell you that it's all good. My timeline was blowing up with Sue Bird tributes, which I thought was pretty cool, as the Mark Davis-owned Las Vegas Aces head to the WNBA Finals. That's all I've got for you on that. I saw a little tennis last night. Nick Kyrgios is out of the U.S. Open and went smashing his racket everywhere. Good. But the delay in the decision to move forward with an advanced playoff, expanded playoff, I guess, doesn't really seem like it's going to affect the bottom line too terribly much, does it? This was the story that I was nerding out on last night, and I think it's going to it's going to launch a very what's the best way to put it? A very fun battle to watch from afar. If you missed this last night before we grab the initial time out of the show. According to a report from Front Office Sports, the decision to expand to 12 teams could yield well over $2 billion annually. Annually. Billion. The current deal with ESPN reportedly pays an average of $470 million a year. The expanded playoff could fetch as much as $2.2 billion per year. Now, so that's $1.8 billion that, that you're leaving on the table. Right, exactly. And or that you will now you will, you'll get. But because of the pettiness and how much of a baby the Big Ten and the ACC and the Pac-12 was, and then inevitably the Big Ten did exactly what the SEC did. Yeah, um, I, I – again – I, I don't know that they were necessarily petty. I think they might have been calculated. You think it was? Oh, you think it was calculated looking back? Yeah, I do. You think they knew? Yes. That USC and UCLA was coming? Why wouldn't they just want it to happen? Why wouldn't they just want to go ahead and expand the playoffs then? Why would they put that blockade on it? You think maybe. I don't the- think that they knew that USC oh. or UCLA was going to happen. I think they wanted something like that to happen. Oh, okay. Okay. Now you can proceed forward. All right. Um,. Expand the playoff now. But $2.2 billion. Now, there's simple math in that. You go from having three games to, what, you'll have four first-round matchups, the quarterfinal ma- I mean, you're infinitely increasing the number of games that you're playing. Bob Thompson, who uh, will get on this show, and, and I'll probably wait for the bye week because this is nerdy in the weeds kind of TV talk. But the former president of Fox Sports thinks the combined annual rights would be a little light given how many, to $2 billion, given the addition of so many new postseason games, he said, quote, I think it'll be north of $2 billion, which means more. In this scenario, the college football playoffs, just the playoffs, would top the annual fees for the NCAA's deal with CBS and Turner for the D1's men's basketball tournament. It would also pay college football and all the entities involved, more than the Big Ten's deal. Now, here's the interesting side of this before we break. This apparently is going to set ESPN and Fox Sports to where they're going to go at each other again. And ESPN, as we've talked about, is very much in the game of, of wanting this, wanting this and doing everything it possibly can to get this. We talked about a godfather offer. 
to where it's – and now they don't have to worry about paying the Big Ten. Maybe they – I mean, this is also kind of worrying me about the Big 12 and the Pac-12 deals because maybe the ESPN says, yeah, we'd uh, – We've got a lot of this inventory, so we'll offer you this because we want to make sure that we can pay and be a part of this. So maybe that massive deal for the Big 12 or Pac-12 might not happen. But Fox wants to be a part of it. ESPN wants to be a part of it. Remember, they had they had some bowls in the BCS. Fox did from 06 to 09 and covered them terribly. <laughs> but you're saying the... Cotton Bowl was not impressive for you? I don't think so, if I remember correctly. I think my my greatest memory of Fox having the Cotton Bowl is how ESPN would just blatantly ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, and in the Cotton Bowl last night, Oklahoma State beat Ole Miss. All right, moving on to the NBA. It's pretty much SportsCenter. NBC and CBS could also be contenders, but if the playoff only consists of 12 teams, you might only need two TV partners. So there you go. Big new 2.2 bill. Why were we waiting? You guys, I, I still like the people that want to try to get on a. There's a Rob Parker promo that's playing. They're doing it for the money. You're like, yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah. Duh. Duh. Moving on. I mean, what? <laughs> when you put 2.2 bill, it's like, I feel like the, in- the, the integrity of this sport isn't in trouble. Come on. Just like the integrity of the NFL was compromised by expanding their playoffs. Unreal. So For Major it, League Baseball. Little, little news that broke last night on the projections about what the TV deal might look like in that process getting underway for the future of the college football playoffs. All right, when we come back, what did Brent Venable say about the defense's approach to the fast-paced, hurry-up offense? And Andy Staples right around the corner on the Plank Show. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. Um, Andy Staples in about 10 minutes from now, if not less. So I want to get to a break quick so we have plenty of time with Andy. We had talked about, you know, you brought up the offensive line conversation, but I I picked this clip out when, you know, let me just to give you kind of some perspective on it. Yesterday, uh, Jeff Levy, well, Monday, Jeff Levy had his press conference and was talked about pace and and was talking about playing complimentary football. And here's what he said. Uh, as it pertains to, hey, how do we want to, how do we want to go about making sure that we're doing things that aren't, aren't putting the not detrimental defense in a tough spot. Right, right, right. Talked a little bit about it after the game, but man, we've got to do a great job of playing complimentary football. So just understanding the flow of the game to me, that is, that's my job. You know, and you got to understand where we're at from a tempo standpoint, what we need to do, maybe to give the other side a break. Uh, so that they can catch their breath. So it's 21-10. Absolutely was very intentional about running the football and making sure we went down and got us a touchdown before half and and playing in a way that where we were still playing fast, all right, but we weren't playing quite as fast as we were maybe those first couple of series. So understanding that is is critical, and it's, uh, man, that's my job. Meanwhile, Brent Venables uh, kind of asked a similar question yesterday and had this to say. It was uh, interesting. To me, I, again, talking about the, the tempo, and I started yesterday's team meeting, like, you know, Dylan Gabriel has never made a tackle and will never make a tackle for us. <coughs> and Marvin Mims isn't going to go cover, you know, the wide wide receiver for us and, uh, you know, stay on top of a go ball. And, uh, you know, Braden Willis is never going to sack anyone for us. The offense doesn't have anything to do with the defense, and, 
and vice versa. That's got to be our mindset, first and foremost. Uh, our job is to stop people. You know, the way to get off the field is you go three and out. You know, you be more precise and you be more exact in what you're doing and uh, do a, an effective job playing tough and physical and great uh, communication and great fundamentals, and you get off the field. And that's my expectation, that we get to a point where we're, you know, we should have a goal and a vision for leading the country in three and outs. And, and that's where you get 11 guys playing together. And uh, we're, we got a long ways to go to do that. And um, But I was really pleased with, uh, you know, a lot of the things from, uh, from Saturday, but I didn't like our efficiency at times. There's a couple of drives that, um, you know, we weren't as efficient as a collectively as an, as a, as the eleven guys need to be uh, to get off the field and make layups and uh, you know things of that nature. So, um, you know, you didn't ask me about defense, but that we did open up yesterday's uh, meeting talking about exactly that. You know, uh, you don't need to worry about what's going on offense. Your job is to stop people. Period. And, uh, you know, stop making excuses. And that, not that they were, but I want to make sure that that narrative isn't, doesn't get inside of our walls. I think it's important that, you know, you have a tough-mindedness about you. You know what? A lot of bad stuff's going to happen. Your job's to respond. <coughs> there you go. Yeah, I love that. Isn't that great? Sorry, you're not going to use this as an excuse. Doesn't matter about their pace. All right, um... True, hang in there. We got a break. Andy Staples is coming up next. I want to be very cognizant of his time. If you guys want to jump in, 405-329-9000. We're talking to one of the best college writers on the planet next here on The Plank Show. All right, welcome back into The Plank Show. Uh, let's get right to it. We'll hit up the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. Uh, he is the host of The Andy Staples Show. Andy Staples and friends. Search it on the however you consume podcast, the – Star of the Athletic, Andy Staples, joins us. Andy, are you still in Oklahoma? Oh, I don't know if I can answer that. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> How was the barbecue? Yeah, no, I'll, be, I'll be here. I'll be here through tonight. Okay. And, or well, through, through through very early tomorrow morning, and then uh, I have to bamboos back to Florida because my uh, my seventh grader has a football game tomorrow night that I can't miss. Oh, let's go! Look at you, man. What a great dad. Uh, I was talking to Gabe. And he his his one thing he because you guys dined last night or the other night right? I did. I finally okay. met his son Cam, who is a the rock star. Listen, I cannot wait to see him in Crimson and Cream in, the, in about seventeen. <laughs> I only bring it up because the one thing he said, Andy Staples, much more handsome in person. So there you go. You've got that to put on the resume too. <laughs> um, hey, uh, I, I I know you don't want to go to. I don't know how much in depth we can go, but. You know, what can Sooner fans be looking for? What's Andy working on when it comes to the Sooners? I got a few different things that I'm working on. Um, that I, One is going to come out later this week, and then and a couple things that are come out in the next few weeks. Um, but the, the one for this week I, I'm happy to talk about, because I, I was asking about it at the press conference with Brett Venables yesterday, so you can kind of tell where I was going with it. Um, you know, I'm fascinated by the idea of, of Venables being kind of the first defensive coordinator to ever figure out how to run a dominant defense opposite a very high-tempo offense. And, and that's when he got to Clemson. Because, you know, the, the defenses that, that he was running opposite those Kevin Wilson offenses at Oklahoma were good, but they were not dominant. He gets to Clemson, and it, it took a couple years. But, like, that 2014 defense was incredible. 
it, it wasn't maybe George's last year, but it was the first one we'd seen really since Chip Kelly and, and that group took advantage of the clock rule changes and offense changed across the country. It was the first one we'd seen where a defense could just shut offenses down even though the offense on their team was running tons of plays, giving the ball, you know, get, getting off the field quickly and forcing the defense back on the field. Uh, I just want to know how they did it. And he actually, before I asked the question, had tipped off what the answer would be because he was talking about what he said to his own team on Monday where he basically said to, to the Sooners' offensive players and defensive players, you know, hey, defense, you don't worry about what Dylan Gabriel's doing. You know, you don't worry about what Marcus Major's doing. Your job is to get three and out and give the offense the ball back. There are no excuses. Just go out there and, and get the ball back for them. And that's what apparently what he told those Clemson guys. And, and it took them a couple years to get, get it going, but they did. Andy, you're not going to believe this. We literally were just playing that clip. Right before you, it was because I just find it so fascinating that you've 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 covered college football. A lot of times, a defensive coordinator might say, "Well, I mean, we're out on the field so long because the offense is moving so fast." But that's never ever really been a Brent Venables thing, has it? No, and and he's got so much experience with it because you know I I think you got to understand like Kevin Wilson's place in college football history. He was the offense coordinator at Northwestern with with Randy Walker as the head coach. And they overhauled everything. They had gone to see Rich Rodriguez at Clemson. This is, this is going from the 1999 season to the 2000 season. And basically, this is before the clock rules changing really go fast. But they created an offense that went really fast compared to all the offenses of the day. And, like, they played this classic game against Michigan in 2000 where basically – Every coach in America wound up watching that tape. Like, Urban Meyer was the receivers coach at Notre Dame and, and watched that tape and goes, if I'm ever a head coach, I'm running that offense. And so Kevin Wilson comes to Oklahoma and is further experimenting with that, doing all these different things. And you, know, you guys saw it. Like, in 2008, they were nearly unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it would be very easy – for a defensive guy like Bob Stoops to, to go, well, you can't go that fast. You gotta, you, you gotta do something different. You gotta slow it down a little bit. But he never said that. And so, you know, you had Bob and you had Brent Venables going. You know what? We can we can work with this. We, that doesn't stop us from still coaching the defense very well. And you know, I, I'd like to think that that maybe that goes back to Bob working with Steve Spurrier in the fun and gun, where you know, he he was never going to be in a situation as a defensive coordinator for Steve Spurrier, where he could dictate anything. Like, Steve Spurrier is just going to say, deal with it. And so I, I, I do think if you, if you go back through the history of this, like Brent Venables is perfect for that attitude, and you understand why he has that attitude, because he was, that's what he was hired to do at Clemson. Like, if you remember back when he got hired, they had, so Dabo Sweeney has to fire Billy Napier, who's now the head coach at Florida, as the offensive coordinator, because Dabo was trying to save his job, basically. He hires Chad Morris, who had been at Tulsa, and then he'd been a high school coach before, and they start running this, this blur offense, this up-tempo offense. They get smoked by West Virginia in the Orange Bowl, and he fires Kevin Steele, who's now Miami's defensive coordinator. He hires Brent Venables and basically tells Brent Venables, your job is to 
make this defense work no matter what we do on the other side of the ball. So that's where the attitude comes from. And, hey, if, if they can pull it off, if, if they can have a dominant defense, because you, know, you guys have watched a lot of good offense over the last few years. You've not seen a lot of good dominant defense. If, if they could pull that off, this very different future for that program. Wild. There's even a Tulsa connection we got in there. Look, Andy's all Oklahoma. I love it. Um, what, so then what were your impressions? I know we can't take much from UTEP, but being at the press conference, kind of being around the program a little bit for a couple days, including today, what's kind of been a few takeaways, Andy, from year one of Brent Venable's game one? Well, I, I mean, I was always a fan of the decision to to bring Dylan Gabriel in because – I just remember his freshman year at UCF and, and seeing him play. And, and you know, he'd, he'd come from Hawaii, he'd broken all of Tua Tungavailoa's records. Uh, Mackenzie Milton, who was the, the previous quarterback at UCF and was the previous quarterback at, at Dillon's high school, had, had been the one who recommended him to the to UCF coaches. And it um, <laughs> still blows my mind that Dylan Gabriel was committed to Army before UCF <laughs> came in. Like, how do you watch that dude throw a football and think, let's, let's have him run the option? So, um, but I, 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 I love that offense. I, I thought it would, it would work very well. And, and obviously it did now it's against UTEP. So we'll, we'll see how it does against a little bit better defenses. But I, I think they've, they've got a system that, you know, the, the players seem to have picked up pretty quickly. I think it helps that the quarterback had run it before and, and it had worked with, with Jeff Levy before. And I, I was talking to players last night, uh, you know, Drake Stoops was telling me that basically when when Dylan got there and they were doing kind of seven on sevens among themselves, Dylan was essentially acting as the coach because the coaches can't be out there. And because he'd been in the offense for a year, he understood what everybody was supposed to do. So he's just kind of, and and I mean, that's got to help in terms of establishing leadership and and everything else. So I, I thought it was good. Now the the defense, you can tell. They're trying to move some parts around to get it to look like what Brent Venables does on defense, and you know, that's that's not the easiest thing in the world given the roster that they inherited. Uh, you know, they went to Tulane and got Jeffrey Johnson, so they got a got a 300 pound guy again. Finally, I, I was asking the beat writer, and I said, "Who's the last 300 pound D lineman?" And they said, "I think Neville Gallim- Neville Gallimore tipped <laughs> the scales over 300." I was like, oh, "Okay, all right, it hadn't it hadn't been that long, but." It does feel like it's been a while since there was a true nose walking around at, uh, at Oklahoma. Uh, one more OU question. I want to get kind of a general thought and get you out of here, Andy. Andy Staples is our guest. Jeff Levy, I hadn't been around Coach whenever he was here earlier, but I just a joy, right, to see a former offensive lineman that gets the opportunity and runs this hurry-up offense. They do things a little bit differently. What's kind of been your takeaway? What's been your perception of Jeff Levy, offensive coordinator, since even the days, you know, at UCF and at Baylor, and now what he did at Ole Miss and here at OU? Well, they, they are unapologetically fast, and <laughs> but, but they like to run the ball, and I think that's where people misunderstand what they do. It's it's very interesting, and, and it's, it, it's actually a little bit simple in the construction of the offense, but it causes the defense to make some choices that, that are not simple. And basically, they spread you so wide that you basically have to declare what you're going to do by where you put your safety. And there are a few defenses, like if you're playing against Georgia or if you're playing against Alabama, their corners are probably so good that they're happy to leave them on an island and, and they can 
disguise some things and move their safeties around. But most teams don't have corners that are that good. So you're going to have to tell the offense what you plan to stop. And all they're doing is counting the box and looking to see where you, you've put your guys. And they love to run the ball. Like, they, they're happy to run the ball. There was a Baylor game, it was a bowl game against North Carolina, where they essentially almost looked like a triple option team because that's what North Carolina gave them. And that's, that's what's going to be interesting is, is you're going to see some games where Oklahoma may run for 300 yards in this offense. And, and I think people assume it's just a chuck-it-down-the-field kind of offense. But that's, that's not really what it is. It's, it's, if you hit a big pass, you are immediately going to the run. And I, I remember talking to Lane Kiffin about this because uh, Lane obviously hired Jeff Levy at Ole Miss. One of the reasons he did is when Lane was at Alabama, Nick Saban had assigned him to go look at all these different spread offenses and, and take the pieces that he liked the best. Nick was not ready to go all in on, on that, that Baylor offense, but Lane loved the idea of basically defenses give you a free six yards on the ground after a long pass if you can, move, if you can get up the line of scrimmage fast enough. And that's, that's what you're going to see. And that's how you completely gas a defense. And, and that's what I bet you're going to see Oklahoma do a lot, with, especially with the backs they have, uh, where they're, they're going to hit, you know, they're going to get a first down through the air and then go pop two, six, seven-yard runs on a team. And you do that a couple times, and, and those D linemen are just dying. The Andy Staple Show and Friends is a, pardon the pun, staple for college football fans. And now on YouTube, so you can watch Andy and, and, and Ari and, and the entire crew. Before I let you go, I'm glad that you have me on the Anthony Richardson-Heisman train. That was impressive. <laughs> On Sat- I had no idea what to expect, Andy. I heard you mention him and what you had him in your in your Heisman draft. He, I think Florida's going to be a problem this year for people. He is a special athlete. The question was, would he be a good starting quarterback? And and so you'd seen the flashes last year. And, and I listen. I understand that people around the country did not watch the fourth quarter of the Florida USF game last year. So maybe maybe did not see him. You know, throw an 80-yard touchdown and run for an 80-yard touchdown like on consecutive drives, but it was one of those things in Gainesville where it was there was a lot of of, of controversy about why is Emory Jones the starting quarterback and Dan Mullen refuses to to just accept reality and make Anthony Richardson the starting quarterback. But but Richardson had hurt himself against UC, against USF. He hurt himself again later in the season. Actually, uh, dancing. Uh, he was trying to do a dance called the pin drop and uh, and hurt his knee. So the question in Gainesville was, can this guy stay healthy? Because he's obviously special. Like he's six four, he's two thirty five. He runs really fast and and has a great arm. Usually, guys who run like that can't throw like that. But could he put it all together as a starting quarterback? And I, I had been told that that Billy Napier basically when he got the job his his assessment of Anthony Richardson was if I can't do something with that guy I don't belong in the job and I think you saw what he can be that two-point conversion where he where he jump fakes oh Mama Diabate oh my gosh and now I call traveling on that because it was up and down like <laughs> you can't you can't you got to shoot if you're going to jump like that but no it was it was impressive it, it reminded me a little bit of the Johnny football escape against Alabama where he ran around and then and then Ryan Swope just wound up 
by himself in the end zone <laughs> for a touchdown. But that it'll be fun to watch him now. I, they have another pretty stiff challenge this week. Kentucky's coming to the Swamp. I, I think Utah-Kentucky in terms of like double-barreled openers, that's the most challenging one in the country. So it might not be as easy now that Kentucky has some film of what Florida actually does. But I, I'm interested to see what he can do because he's really exciting to watch. Andy, enjoy the rest of your stay in Oklahoma, man. You're fantastic. Keep up the great work, and hopefully we'll get you out to a Sooner game soon. Good luck to the little man this weekend, too. Go get that dub. Can't, can't wait. Planker, you, you, by the way, you and Gabe, also very handsome. So <laughs> He's got me on that Let's scale by quite a bit. All right, brother. Be good, Andy. Talk to you soon. See yeah, I like Andy Staples a lot. What a sweet way to end that interview. Look at me. I'm just I'm feel I'm in my I'm, I'm feeling myself now. I might go kind of strut around the studio a little bit. Go check on my man Drake. Like Drake, and just tell me I'm handsome. What's up? What's going on? What to do, baby? <laughs> uh, let's reset because Andy was hitting on exactly what we were talking about and writing about it, and it's fascinating to see. Dare I use the term, the origin story of it? I, I wasn't aware of that. I mean, listen, I remember Geno Smith going up and down on Clemson. 2011. No, it wasn't Geno Smith, was it? Was it Geno Smith? Who the, the West Virginia quarterback that went up and down on Clemson? You know, I got to look it up now before we go to Pat break. White? I don't – I think Pat White was was gone. So, wait – Wait for it. So this would be the 2011 Clemson Orange Bowl game where they got destroyed. Um, hold, hold it. I know this is live. This was number 23 West Virginia versus Clemson, and the final score was 70-33. to 33. Oh, That's right. I remember that game. It was, it was a 7-0 game. <laughs> it, was just, it was 7-zip Clemson. Oh, it was Geno Smith. Gino. I was right. It was. G- Look at the brain on me. Thank you. Look at the brains on Brad. I think I had. Thank you. 405. Now the text line is going to blow up. It was Gino. <laughs> Sorry. It was Gino. Sorry for someone that just said Pat White. It was Gino. And that was the game that literally led Dabo Sweeney to say, we, we got to go get. We've got to go get Brent Venables. And thus, I guess you could say history was made. He fired Billy Napier as his offensive coordinator. I didn't even realize that. All right, quick break. Um, It's Plank Show. We'll come back and recap uh, what was an incredible conversation with Andy Staples next on the Home of Sooner Fans. Also learned something else from our conversation with Andy Staples. Oh, yeah? I didn't know that Dylan Gabriel was committed to Army. And that he was going to run the triple option. What a waste that would have been. I know, right? And I'm, you know, it's it's interesting. I didn't realize this. The um, the student athletes still have to go through boot camp. So even if they get like a four-star, five-star guy, he's still doing boot camp. <laughs> right. Hey, let's get True Sooner in before the top. What's going on, True? Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you guys doing? I got, a, I got a couple of things for you real quick. Go ahead. Uh, one, of them was, one of them was a stat that just blew me away. and I, Maybe it won't blow you guys away. 
It's a random stat. So we were talking at work about how different today's offenses are in college from, you know, years ago and stuff. And I look back on the 1975 season when OU was number one in the country. Switzer had a 34-game, 33-game winning streak going. Kansas comes to town, and they're a decent team. They're not great, but they're a decent team. Roman Gabriel is the quarterback. Just take a guess how many passes he, he threw, had tempted him through that day. Five. I think it was less than that. I think it was like two, right? Zero <laughs> or zero. <laughs> that's right. Didn't throw a pass. Yeah, that's didn't, amazing. Didn't even attempt, didn't even attempt one. And uh, OU, well, I mean, OU was Steve Davis was three for five. You know, so if that tells you. So he you was anything. slinging then, you know, it. But that that was pretty much it. I mean, you look back in the, even the Orange Bowl that OU won the national title that year. Uh, OU, Steve Davis was three for five, and and um, Leach, uh, or I mean, I'm sorry, Rick Leach, uh, the quarterback at, at Michigan, uh, was two for sixteen uh, in that game. But anyway, it was it just blew me away when I saw the test. But I, I was going to make comment on the on the two press conferences yesterday. Yeah, make it quick, man. I only got about a minute. Yeah, are we supposed to buy this? First of all. Venables, I, I can buy Venables more than I can buy Mike Gundy, but like Venables doesn't care about the playoffs or whatever, and that and that Gundy thinks the thing is not broken. I mean, because it's going to do nothing but benefit OSU down the road. That was that was my question on those two. Um, you know, this is that's a great conversation. Uh, true, thank you. True, I don't, I don't think Mike Gundy was being all in with us on that one. I think if you get him behind closed doors, he's all in when it comes to the playoffs. Has to be. But we'll talk about it. Ryan Leaf coming up next on The Plank Show.